Chadley. Chadwick. Chad, sir. What is shaking? What's going on, man? Oh, I'm just watching this some preseason game. Preseason Timberwolves basketball. Final one. Yeah, we're almost out of here. That was quick. Yeah, it was quick. Who's, uh, who's, in, who's impressed you this year? So far, um, just Culver. <laughs> I mean, Culver's been awesome this preseason. He's been a lot better. I mean, he, does not, he didn't shoot well tonight, but his free throw shooting it seems to have come around. He's just 3 for 3 again tonight. He hit them, but they were kind of shaky. A little bit, yeah. Um, Much better than last year, though. Yeah, I mean, but everything about him has been better. He's just more confident. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he holds on to it because he's been our best defender just straight up. Also, oh, Jefferson maybe, but Culver's right there. Yeah, he's been good. I was worried about Jefferson too. Like, uh, are they just not playing him because they're not going to keep him around? Because you, you saw they saw, signed yeah, J-Mac. Well, just to the two-way, though. Yeah. Um, so but when I first saw that he was signed, and then I'm like, wow. Jefferson mm-hmm. hasn't played it all. I wonder if they're going to cut him. And I'm like, I can't imagine they're going to cut him. He's their best player in right. the last game. And then, and then I was on. I went on Twitter to see if there's any news on that. And people were saying like, well, he probably proved enough to Saunders that yeah. he doesn't need to see any more out of him. And he went. He like got a lot more guys off the bench in the first half than he normally does. Yeah, he did. I'd love so. to see more Hollis Jefferson next to Towns, though. I, as would I, but. Um, and I guess Saunders said that so, as much in the interview or in his media availability mm-hmm. or whatever, that that's the plan that he's going to have. Yeah, he's going to be able to play the five on offense and the four on defense. And yeah. yeah, and most of his will be with Towns. I actually, I mean, I love Lehman, you know that, but I actually wanted to see Honcho start tonight just to see if he gets mix. Yeah, I think Honcho and, and Lehman are kind of interchangeable. They kind of both do some similar things well. Like they both can like, set a pick and then slide to the hoop really swiftly. Like kind of, they're underrated at that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then I, the, only, are, yeah. the main even, difference I see is that it's hard to play layman. If you have like a Kogi and Culver on the floor, because he's not known as a shooter. So you get a lot of clogged lanes with that set up. And, uh, Wancho can really stretch the floor and from his position to give you a little bit more space. So, yeah, I see, and I, I actually don't have that much of a problem with Lehman even shooting it. No, um, I don't either, but I think respect and reputation are almost as important as... Which probably are. I just, yeah. I, you know, they're they're so similar in what they give you that... Uh, and I wanted to see Honchel start because I just... Obviously, Honchel's ceiling's higher. He's younger, he's taller, he's, you know... Mm-hmm. But his floor might be lower, you know, so it's like, I just want to see now what you got in him yeah because like should he be starting to start the season should he be the starting four or should jefferson or should you know yeah or should layman just stay with the spot right yeah so it's just I, as much as i like layman it feels to me like he's a 20 25 minute per game guy and if he's starting it sort of impresses that you're going to get more minutes than 20 or 25 minutes a game but maybe not maybe he kind of is aware yeah. he gets he starts he gets 20 25 minutes and Mm-hmm. You know, Ancho gets 20, 25 minutes. Depending on who's then, shooting well that night. or Yeah. It's not really, of, like you said, it's not really matchup dependent with size. Neither of them have the bulk to really out-muscle anybody or the speed right. to not. I mean, Lehman is a little bit of a better defender because I think his lower body is a little bit more quick twitch than well, that He's smarter. Yeah. It's Vanderpool's system. He played, you know. So, like, he is, I mean, out of all the guys on the starting lineup, besides Ricky tonight since he started, I thought Lehman did. Good job at just like cutting into the lanes. So it's just there still seems to be confusion. I think still from the defense. Like what are, what are we supposed to be doing? T- Towns has been good, but it's, 
you know, he is what you, you expect yep. offensively. He, has, he hasn't changed much either side of the ball. So I've been fine with Towns. I'm not down on anything he's done. Um, Edwards has been up and down. Mm-hmm. He's been pretty more up tonight than down. So I've been pretty happy with that. Um, D'Lo, D'Lo is all right, I guess. And, and Ricky's is what he is. It's more, I guess it's more as a, gr- a collective group. That's more the down. Yeah. Like the defense has been atrocious. Yep. And the offense seems to have regressed. It seems like there isn't really a system in place. And I know they're talking about this more of this free flowing offense, letting guys make decisions on the fly. And I don't think it's working. I just nobody has a set role, and so it's people are kind of confused. It's it's worked a little better tonight, and I think it's because you know Ricky's more of mm-hmm. the guy that's going to set guys up than D'Lo. Um, but you're you're going to have D'Lo starting there. Nine, 90% of the time, unless he's you know hurt and yeah. without Ricky in the floor, and so they got to figure it out. They got to, they have to have some sort of pecking order because it's just kind of atrocious without it. Russell and Towns yeah. have the potential to be just a dynamic and destroyer of worlds level offense, but they really need to figure out how they're going to work together because the best they've looked offensively this whole preseason has been first half tonight when Towns was, they just fell back into what they did at the beginning of last year where Towns was the number one option. They ran the offense through him. And if he's hitting his shots, any offense looks good, but yeah. Yeah. The one thing Towns is like awesome at tonight is his passing. Mm-hmm. He's had some really nice passes. The, the only downside to that when you figure D'Lo into the equation is most of those passes have been to guys cutting to the hoop, which D'Lo's fine at, but you kind of want, to see him kicking out, kicking out to D'Lo, yeah, you know for threes, um, because there's not going to be a lot of three point shooting on this team, be, you know, meaningful minutes because of Kogi, Culver, uh, Edwards hit a couple threes tonight, but he doesn't figure to be a, you know, consistent three point threat this first season of his career. Yeah, it's still um, to be seen. I mean, Towns also. This is the Mavs are one of the few teams where Towns can take real advantage down low because they're one of the few teams that plays smaller than we do. So they the Wolves they do, have been well. They've been playing a lot of Kleber and Powell, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, like so. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely bigger than those guys, but you know, I mean, they, they're still a bigger team than Houston. Oh, or, I mean, you know, they are, but I mean, it's just there aren't. You can count on one hand how many teams are going to physically be smaller than the Wolves, to, you know, and then their sure. aggregate front court. So, oh, five, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get so. Towns has been able to kind of feast down low, and if you have somebody like D'Lo on the floor, hopefully that gives him more options to kick it out for open threes. I mean, he's been kicking it out tonight and finding other guys open, and they were hitting in the first half, which looked really nice. I mean, I think they were about 50% on their three-pointers in the first half. But, um, but yeah, it just really makes a difference when Towns is playing like Towns on offense. Yeah, when he's engaged and mm-hmm. and feeling. I mean, and I think, I think it's time they start figuring out. I know, like you said, him and D'Lo can be, you know, just destroyers on offense. That being said, remember the old Randy ratio with the Vikings? Yeah. yeah. We need a we need a Towns ratio for the Wolves. Like I don't care how much of a destroyer Delo can be. Towns is so damn gifted mm-hmm. on offense that he he has to be option one. It's not a one A, one B. No. He's significantly better than Delo on offense still. And he's got to be option one and two, and Delo can be three, and then everybody else can figure it out for themselves. But I, I just, they got to get Towns a lot more shots than what they got in the first. I mean, I, and I know he's playing them in 10 minutes, but the first two games, it was like everybody was kind of comparable in their, the shots they took. Beasley was taking just as many shots as D'Lo and Towns. And I like Beasley, but like he's, he's really got to be the third fiddle and, you know, a, a significant drop after those two guys, in my mm-hmm. opinion. 
because he's really the spot of three guy. And other than that, I mean, even in double teams, I'd rather have Towns taking a shot in a double team than just about anybody else taking it wide open. <laughs> like, he's that good. Yeah, I mean, like you said, though, the, the offense has to flow from what Towns provides. And the, right. the thought process coming in and why this team could be an elite offense is because all of these guys have proven the ability to be good offensive players without Towns on the floor. And if you have Towns on the floor, just opening up the spacing, opening up the opportunities for everybody else because defenses need to be so focused on him, then everybody else should be even better. I mean, it's I was watching Dallas tonight, and their offense works because of Luka. Luka's one it of does. those rare wing players that can bring the ball up and immediately command a double team the second he crosses the logo. And all of their shooters on the floor are just one pass away from a three-pointer. So no matter where that double's coming from, he's going to find it. Well, and they run screen after screen after screen, mm-hmm. you know, just to get get an open shot, which, and the Wolves are terrible at defending those screens. They just kind of... They are, yep. Let, you know, let them go. But my issue with the offense for the Wolves right now is you're right that they have all these guys that are good, independent of Towns, but they also are all guys who are have played meaningful minutes as the main facilitator or ball handler come up the court. So you see that tonight. Edwards has played point guard. Obviously, Ricky's played point guard. Culver's played point guard. Okogie's brought the ball up a couple of times. Towns has even brought the ball up, which he, he does as well. So the, the issue I have there is it doesn't matter which if one of those guys brings the ball off the court, you know, they're kind of, they all have a different sort of scenario in their mm-hmm. heads of what they're going to do. There is no set system. It's rare to see them actually run a play. Um, you got so a little it, excited there, Chad. Yeah. I knocked the mic over, <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, it's frustrating that we don't have just a couple go to, you know, off like just some sort of, offensive mm-hmm. system that they can run so that everybody kind of knows what they're supposed to do. Same on defense. Like that's the thing. We have all these sort of individual mindsets out there right now. And I know part of it's because, you know, they have, they don't have a camp and they can't play together. Every team's going to have that. And we can't use that as an excuse. We have to, you know, I, I put it on Saunders and you guys, they have to have a system. They ha- you have to have some sort of flow so that you, you know, like, okay, you know, Towns are our first option and this is how we're going to get him his sets. And from there to your point, you know, f- f- Depending yep. on what the defense shows him, he can either kick it out or he can cut, hit to a cutter, whatever that that looks like. But right now, it's just like it's a bunch of one-on-one ball with the occasional two, you know, two-player, yeah, kind of working together to freeze them up. But there's nothing predetermined going into it. It's all free-flowing, which I know it maybe conceptually makes sense in in Saunders' mind to say, hey, they're going to go out there and they're just going to make basketball plays. Well, it's great if you have like you know. LeBron James and Anthony Davis and guys who have played 10, 12, 15 years in the league who are elite. And we have guys that we have a 19 year old out there. Mm-hmm. We have a 20 year old. We have, we have a bunch of really young guys who have not accomplished squat in the NBA. So I think a little more structure is uh, needed here. Well, it's definitely going to be needed if they're going to overachieve this year. I mean, they're, they're still such a young team. We've talked about the importance of bringing in veterans and adults, but without a, a set system. I mean, we've seen the limits of having set strict systems. It only gets you so far, but it definitely can bring up the floor of your team. And right now, without the the cohesion between the players on the floor and people kind of knowing where where everybody else kind of wants to be, where they want the ball, when they're going to cut, when they're going to flare to the corner, it's that system is kind of needed more than ever to kind of get them in the, in right. the places. It, and I'm not suggesting they have a set strict system where it's, hey, they got to play it every time up the court. Yeah. I'm just saying... You have to have a set that people can get into. It's like they just have spots on the floor where they go. And then from there, it's like you never know what what you're going to get. There's not 
you know, you look at the, the contrast between us and Dallas doesn't have much of a system other than just Drive keep kick. Yeah. Yeah. Keep screening until a guy has an open shot, but it works because then everybody knows the right move is to get to the guy that's wide open the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we don't even have that. We're, I mean, we're taking contested threes, you know, and we hit a lot of them in the first half, but you're not going to get to stay that hot. No. Yeah. You know, I mean, game. depending on who's taking the shots too, but we had a lot of shots coming from Lehman and Nikogi, and those are the shots that Dallas was giving us. We, you know, we were trying to do the same thing. You know, I saw James Johnson take a couple threes tonight, and Max Kleber was taking a couple, and those are obviously the guys that they said, well, we're going to live with those shots because we can't guard everybody if we have to double in the post or when, on the drive. But Dallas is just such a good offensive team that their fourth, fifth offensive options are so much more capable of hitting those open threes than ours at this point. Yeah, Lu- Luca, I love him as a player. Oh, gotta see a baby. He's a talker. Oh, and only to the refs. It's like, dude, is there, I mean, he was complaining about that Okogi rip. I mean, Okogi got all ball, mm-hmm. and he's sitting there. You see him over to the refs, and like he's doing the slapping his arm yep. routine. You're just like, come on. He's getting really annoying. I'm like, God, don't don't turn into the guy that everybody hates by being a big baby and whining about every call yeah, or non-call all the time. Conversely, this whole preseason, Towns hasn't really barked at all. No, he hasn't been complaining. Yeah, I don't know if it's just because he's not into it yet, you know, mentally yeah. because of his personal life. But I haven't seen him really uh, gripe about too much at all. We're gonna get um, kind of Zen Carl Anthony Towns from now on. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like fired up, like on you know, yeah. play wise. In particular, but yeah, he's just not. Yeah, he's not whining. Yeah, he's not complaining. Yeah, which is a so maybe it's just, he trusts Ryan maybe to to have his back, so maybe. he doesn't you know. Yeah, that or it's preseason and it's not worth it. Doesn't care. Yeah, he yeah. just know. Luca so, apparently can't turn it off. No, I don't. It, it's it, he is. He's getting progressively worse. Like his rookie year, he wasn't like that. Or, yeah, that I recall at all. And then last year, I started noticing it in the bubble. I'm just like God. You know, like obviously, I don't watch mm, yeah, more than a that. ton of natural games. Yeah, yeah. But I was just like, man, what a, what is this guy's deal? And then tonight, it's just like unbearable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what what is your thoughts on Edwards so far? Three games in. Uh, you know what? He's grown a little bit on me each game. I'm not going to say he's grown on me because I've liked him the whole time, but um, his handle is still a little loose, so he's going to need to clean that up a little bit before. Um, before he's really able to drive as a uh, primary offensive creator on a team, he's lost the ball a few times once, you know, once or twice each game, trying to get a little bit too fancy with it. But, um, but yeah, he was hitting some shots tonight, and he's shown flashes on defense each game that really lead you to believe, believe what they said pre-draft that if this guy locks in, he can be an elite defender. You know, there was a, a series in the first half where Luca was coming down, and on one play, he just kind of bodied layman all the way to the basket and got a wide open layup because layman you know bit on one pump fake and then went flying out of the way when luca bodied him and the very next drive very next play i don't know if there was a substitution or if they just switched the defensive assignment but edwards was on him and he couldn't move him i mean edwards was just you know a wall he tried to do the same thing and edwards he just bounced kind of right off of him so he's got the physical makeup and we've talked about that plenty but um yeah until until okogi got on luca we had no answer for him until that mm-hmm. that play you're talking about, Edwards, Edwards took him on, and yeah, he he got the stop, and you know, and Okogi was taking it as sort of a, I don't know, I'm sure it's an assignment because Okogi's our best 
one-on-one defender, but he's Okogie's dominated yeah. him defensively in the first half. Like he he had Luca all sorts of out of sorts. Yeah, Edwards was. I mean, Edwards is they're very similar in size. Yeah, I mean, they're. I mean, Luca's taller, know, but which is always going to give him an advantage. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but he they're not. He's not as tall, much taller as I expect him to be. I thought he would be, you know, four inches taller or something when you saw him actually next to each other. But they look a lot closer than to me than that. Um, but yeah, like to your point, Edwards is certainly he looks stronger than him, or at least as strong. And Luke is a horse. I mean, yeah, he's, he's got the girth definitely to play the way that he plays. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a physical guy. Like he has no problem with contact. Mm-hmm. I mean, he initiates it. So Edwards is going to have to do, you know, find a way to be involved in more aspects of the game rather than scoring. And if he can continue up the defensive pressure and the consistency there, that'll it'll really be a big impact too. But, um, you know, he's going to like the rebound, re- rebounding and assists are going to have to come as he grows more confident and he, he finds ways to impact the game in more ways. But, um, but so I like what we're seeing as a 19 year old. He yeah. comes in. The one thing he knows is how to score, right? That's what he did at Georgia. So he comes in, and instead of the mindset of like Culver, kind of like letting things come to him and not really initiating himself into the flow of the game, he is just taking. Like you don't want to see him take a bunch of bad shots, and he took a couple bad shots in the first half. But you know that's up to the coach, and you can put, you can yank him if if that starts to happen. And just let him sit down for a couple minutes and let things slow down for him. But I I would prefer that from a rookie to see somebody that wants it. I mean, he, you know, it's like the Wiggins thing. You know, Wiggins was always sort of laid back and stuff. And you didn't, you, you just want a guy that's going to have a little bit more energy and stuff. That And he, he's got, he's definitely got that. He's much more energetic than uh, Andrew Wiggins yeah. was. I mean, even the fact that he's taken five free throw attempts already tonight in about 23 minutes on the floor is just such an outlier from what we've seen a lot from Wings on the Wolves in the past. And it's going to help this team if because he's a locomotive coming into the paint. Yep. I mean, if he gets a full head of steam, you know, I was just, I was watching. He had, he had one dunk, and it's just like I don't know if it's Kleber that was there, but he Kleber wasn't really in position. He did he did just kind of step out of the way. Like I don't want to get mm-hmm. run over by a nineteen year old and get posterized before the regular season even starts. And he did just just got out of the way. And and Edwards coming in so fast that it, you know he got on the rim and he almost fell backwards. You know, like when they swing underneath and they lose their grip he he didn't lose his grip but he he almost did <laughs> he yeah like a lot of torque on that so yeah i mean 10 free throw attempts a game is kind of what the the elite in are looking at and edwards sitting at if he can push himself up you know around six you know five or six a game as, as a rookie i mean that would just be a huge step and if especially if he's also taken six seven three pointers a game he's has the makings of having a very efficient shot profile, even if his overall field goal percentage isn't exactly where you'd want it to be because he's still learning the, the ropes. Yeah. And his form looks good. I yeah. mean, his, you know, his three point shots looks like good form. His free throws are good form. So um, encouraging. I, I will say like the first few games of preseason, I was having a little bit of envy of the Hornets with hmm. LaMelo. LaMelo is nice... also shooting like 27% from the floor. So yeah. even though he's making Just... some good plays, yeah. Making some good plays, but then he was hitting some threes. Uh, he had a few tonight again. Um, but then you see, like, it's just Edwards isn't going to have those wall plays unless he's getting on a breakaway dunk, right? Like, right. he's not going to have those as many opportunities for what Lamelo has when Lamelo's the primary ball handler and coming down and able to make these, you know, slick passes. So I get that. I'm just, it's like, I, you know, Edwards was my guy from the very get go. I had, I was a little bit questioning it my the day of the draft. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I do want Lamelo. But when we got Edwards, I was all on board, and I still am. 
um, especially when we see it, what we saw tonight. And it's just that adding that dynamic to this team of having a guy that can, you know, like Okogi. Okogi's another one that can drive the hoop, but he's not the the um, polished scorer that Edwards looks like he will be. You know, and yeah. I just don't. Okogi's always going to be a little rougher on offense. He's going to be. He's going to make some eye popping plays one minute, and then just these other ones that are like gimmies that he misses the next because it's just not his game. He's a high energy defense guy, but he's not going to be this prolific scorer ever. I don't think, but yeah, and Okogi yeah. tonight with Ricky being able to just be a catch and shoot guy. Mm-hmm. His, his shot looked pretty good. Yeah. He looked a little bit better. Another um, guy, another guy who looks to see, looks like he's broken out of his uh, slump a little bit tonight was Beasley. He started off a little bit slow in this third game and it was, looked like it was going to be a little bit more of the same, but he's looks like he's going to check out here and finish with uh, 18 points and 11 rebounds tonight on seven of 13 shooting. So, Nice to see him see a few hit the yeah. bottom of the net. Well, he he's played aggressively all three games, but mm-hmm. like, particularly game two, of the preseason, he has shot. He just couldn't buy a bucket. I mean, no. He had several shots right at the rim that just in and out. You know, and he's just off. And uh, you know, who knows? I mean, guys, you have those nights, so it is what it is. But yeah, I agree. Tonight, he's he's uh, been better, and he he's been just as aggressive. You know, I, I just wish some of that aggression would pan out for him on defense because the guy puts in a lot of effort on defense. I mean, he's tiring himself out. He just, I don't know. He just, yeah. he gets beat by simple pump fakes and. Yeah. I worry he was more concerned about looking like he's trying on defense than actually trying on defense. I think he, that's his persona all over. I think he's, I think he's trying to model himself after Jimmy Butler. Sure. Yeah. You, know, you see my social media posts in the, 4 a.m. workouts and stuff. So I'm a little bit with you there in terms of I, I do think he's also very concerned with his branding this season. He's mm-hmm. got like three companies or whatever. I think he has five Instagram accounts. Five. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. So, yeah, he's I, – I, I agree. He's kind of believing his own BS there. Um, let's let's see. You know, you're talking about making all defensive team. Let's just see be a competent defender first, and then we'll talk all defense you yeah. know, as a, a secondary goal. But – he, uh, I don't like him defending the guy, whoever the ball hander is at the point of attack, because I just don't think he's strong enough there. And we have other guys that can do that better, whether that's Okogi or Culver or Ricky or um, even Delos, not any worse than Beasley mm-hmm. in that regard. I, I would rather have Beasley start by just defend your opposing guard, who's usually going to be the other spot up shooter for the for the opponent, and just contest those shots and play defense that way instead of trying to chase the ball handler around because he, he gets back on his heels too, too easily, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, the Wolves have the ability to find, you know, all offense lineups this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see them every, every now and then, but even in those scenarios, like you said, it would be tough to see Beasley as the best defensive option on the floor at the point of attack. So um, I know he wants to prove it. I know that Saunders has most likely been giving him the chance this preseason to say, which I'm totally good. Yeah, can you this do this? Yeah. Yeah. They got a lot of jaw and they got a lot of Luca tonight. So there's really aren't two better opportunities to prove that you can go right. against the best, but be fair to Malik. Those are probably two of the toughest matchups you're going to see. Yeah. Nobody's going to look good there. No, you're, you're not sticking with jaw. He's the guy's way too fast. And then Luca, I mean, he's probably getting about 45, 50 pounds to Luca. Mm-hmm. Um, who also is, a very physical player who's going to initiate the contact. And so that's tough on him. But, yeah, I mean, I still would rather see, you know, like we, like we saw when Okogi came in, he was 
a much better defender against Luka. Okogie started as well. So you should – I shouldn't say should because it's preseason. And in the regular season, you likely will see Okogie take those those matchups right from the get-go, yeah. particularly if Okogie stays the starter. So we got to talk about the point guard rotation because the Wolves added another point guard today with Jordan McLaughlin signing his uh, two-way qualifying offer to come back on a two-way contract for one more year. And at this point, with even with D'Lo out tonight – the Wolves still used three point guards if you want to include Culver in the first half. So it, it sounds like they're going to use a lot of point guards, a lot of ball handlers on the floor, but I just don't know where where the room is unless I, you're moving Noel back to kind of a, a G League position. They even used four. Edwards brought the ball up a lot he did. tonight. Yeah, he's done a lot of ball handling. So he even played a lot of point. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, and we, I've talked about McLaughlin a lot in conversations you and I had, but I don't know that I know what you think of him. You haven't really tipped your hand. What, are you excited about that pickup or that signing? Or are you? Well, here's how the- I feel about the signing: is I understand the business b- behind it because McLaughlin was a two-way player last year, which made it so that he was a restricted free agent on a two-way contract heading into this offseason, which really nothing could have diminished his market anymore. And the Timberwolves kind of had that option and the ability to kind of just wait him out at that point um, for another team to give him an offer, which really nobody was going to do because the Wolves could just sign it and they knew that the, the Timberwolves kind of would. So I believe that McLaughlin earned more than a two-week contract this year, and I believe that the Timberwolves believe that as well. But with the way that the business works, it was kind of like, I don't know, I kind of relate it to a, a baseball player being arbitration eligible after their third season but winning the MVP. You know, and they're only going to be paid still 900000 because their contract is just written in a way that they're, nothing's going to change. And... Um, I think sure, that, or football like Delvin Cook last yeah. season. I mean, probably so, earned that contract before last season, and then didn't get it until yeah, just before the first game this year. So yeah, so McLaughlin with with just the way the CBA was written and the kind type of contract he had was just kind of you know up a creek without a paddle in terms of negotiating power. And the Wolves took advantage, which I've been the one harping on their their need to win every deal by five ten percent in order to actually become a relevant uh, competitor in this league. So props for them doing that but um but yeah i believe mclaughlin was a a really good player for them last year and showed flashes of being a if not a competent backup point guard at the bare minimum a very very strong third point guard in a team and they needed that so um whether they they knew that all along and they've just been giving noel some run to see you know what he can do in that position and they know that mclaughlin's going to come back and they'll eventually rely on him in that role i don't know but uh, but yeah, I thought he earned more than a two-way contract, and it's just a shame kind of how it worked out. And I wouldn't be surprised if next year he, this leaves a little bit of a sour taste in his mouth where he's he's willing to go look elsewhere. So I'm not sure what the rules are for it if they can sign him to a a deal during the season. They can. They can promote him to the to the active roster at any time and sign him to a full a full contract. Um, but, but can they negotiate like a longer a multi-year deal, uh, or is it just a one-year like? Uh, because I know they can, I know they can uh, guarantee it the rest of the year, right, yeah, to a yep. regular roster spot. Yeah. But can they actually negotiate a multi-year deal? Say, say there's a trade and we yeah. it's a two for one going out, so a spot opens up. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I, I don't think the Wolves were trying to cheat him. I think they were trying to leave their flexibility because it's a weird year. It's a COVID year. You're, yep. You know, you're going to have guys out for extended periods of time this season at some point. So. They wanted to make it maintain as many spots that they could, and so they're going to be able to effectively keep everybody they got right now. Yeah. Outside of those other roster guys that we haven't even seen play, I don't even remember their names. Charlie Brown and 
whoever. <laughs> Those guys will be gone. Yeah. But the you know McLaughlin will make that team, and they'll, they'll be able to keep Jefferson. They'll be able to keep Ed Davis. All, yeah. All these other guys, Noel will get to stay. Um. But they, yeah, you're right. They got them cheaper. But I don't. I think had they had the opportunity to sign them to a a contract that's more. Uh, aligns with the production he gave us last year. They they would have done it. It's just that they couldn't, without losing one, you know, either Noel. Or oh yeah, Nas absolutely. Or... I mean, and I think you've seen lots of preference out in Wolves Twitter to just say, you know what, sorry Noel, I know you've got a lot of potential here, but if it comes at the cost of McLaughlin, we're willing to to let you walk. And I was one of those guys, yeah. right? We put that a couple episodes ago, and. I like Noel a lot. The problem is we just have so many wings. But then you watch Noel, he had the 20 points in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. game two, and he's played well tonight. I don't want, I don't want to lose it. They're in a weird spot. We have so many guys that are good, not great. Mm-hmm. You know, they're good bench players that you don't want to lose. But, but they don't like contribute you, to winning yet, which is right. the hard part. Or other than like the the Jefferson, the Davids, those guys contribute to winning, I think. But they're uh, even though they're not offensive players, but that's what this team needs. But don't, so you can't lose those guys, um, and you can't lose the young guys who haven't really you know figured things out yet. Because um, I like I, there's things in Vanderbilt I've seen that I really like. I like yeah, I mean things- Nas Vanderbilt, Jalen Noel, Jordan McLaughlin. It's just a, a, a series of guys, a, a murderer's row, if you will, of some of these guys that you just need to pan out one way or another in order to actually be the Denver that you want to become. These guys have guys showing up all over the place out of the second round, out of the G League, where it's like, oh, all of a sudden they got Monty Morris and he's their best wing defender and he's going to play significant minutes in the in the playoffs because they just happened to find him and they scouted him well and they built him up. And if we can't do that, if we can only rely on bringing guys in at the peak of their powers or at the peak of their contract at least, then we're going to be in trouble because we're Minnesota, and that's just not going to happen. Right, you're not going to lure those guys, and that's that's kind of what I'm worried about with myself. Because like I fall in love with these guys, are kind of nice stories who are mm-hmm. good players, who are hard workers, who are busting their butts, and and they're having some success. But you also got to look at okay, what are they going to be? It's kind of like the Tyus Jones factor. Yeah, I love Tyus Jones, and he could have been a starter as long as the other four guys with him fit. But if you if you're going to bank on him to be the kind of player that you're getting out of Delo. He's just not going to be that kind of a guy, you know? And um, so, like, you, you're like, oh, I don't want to give him up for anything. I'm willing to pay him more to keep him as a backup. But then it's like that's foolish basketball business sense, right? Because you're not – you need that money in that spot for a guy that's going to be able to contribute more than what Tyus Jones was going to contribute. Um, and that's kind of why I'm in – I mean, not that Jordan McLaughlin's as good as Tyus Jones yet, but that's the way I feel about him right now is, like, the same kind of – thing like i don't want to i don't want that guy go because i could see him blown up on some other team and and having a you know isaiah thomas like run for somebody for a playoff stretch or um you know having a jeremy lynn like run where he just gets super hot and he's just like this dynamic spark plug for a team mm-hmm. i could see you know, having that kind of a run in him somewhere down the line and i don't i want us to be part of that you know right i uh, mean you want the team you want your team to identify a guy and then have him blow up here i mean and not you know, you gave up yeah. one season too early, and then he goes and does that yeah. elsewhere. So, like David, yeah, you brought up the baseball. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, yeah. So that's always the thing, and you probably hold on to guys longer than you probably should have when they don't. Well, I mean, the chances of them actually panning out and blowing up are so low. But at the same time, you just don't want it to happen. So, 
Um, I like the McLaughlin, and I think he looked great, and he definitely earned a spot last year. So if he can, if they can find a way to make it so that both parties um, end up winning in this deal, if they can get him to a guaranteed contract for a couple years, depending on the roster moves that come later this season, then I'm all for it. But anything that you can do this year to increase your depth, to find a way to just have as many options as possible when it, nobody knows what's going to happen when there may be three or four guys out at any one time if COVID happens to hit the, the locker room, then uh, you got to do it. So, Well, and that was the other guy that that we talked about that I was sort of like, okay, he's got to be on the trading block was Jarrett Culver. Mm-hmm. And then all we see in the preseason is he's our most pleasant surprise these first three games, he's he seemed to be the guy that's taken the biggest step over all the young guys we got on the team. I mean, D'Lo and Cat are what they are. Ricky's what is what he is. Like we we know what we're going to get out of those three guys. But the um, what we've seen out of Culver, both defensively and then even offensively, a little bit, his shots look good. But in particular, his defense has been he's been right there with Ronda Hellas Jefferson. Our those guys are our two best defenders, mm-hmm. and I no longer. I no longer want to trade him. I would say for me now, it's like you're just going to roll with these guys and then Beasley's the guy that you ultimately, although even Beasley, it's going to be hard to move because he's your best shooter Yeah. outside of Cat. Um, so I, it's tricky because it's like we got a bunch of guys who aren't stars that I don't want to lose. <laughs> yeah, you know, and this is a year where everybody's talked about the, the need for depth and the need to have as many able bodies as possible to come what may, you know, that you're, you're prepared for it. So I could see them holding on to everybody for this season and just seeing how it plays out. And then if next season looks more like a normal NBA season with, without the risk of COVID with, uh, you know, a full training camp, the ability to really line up your rotations the way that you want to, I could see them kind of tightening up their rotation a little bit more. Um, but and they will. Yeah. they're not going to, they're not going to run a 12 man, <laughs> Lineup, but they'll uh, or fourteen man the way it's yeah. been right now. You see that they uh, ex- expanded the uh, the active roster limit from thirteen to fifteen this year. I did, which even plays in more to what I think they were doing with J Mac uh, in terms of his deal, because now you know they're going to have extra guys who aren't going to dress, but they'll be able to keep on that. Yeah, that rotation depending on need for matchups and and whatnot. So I think it's smart, you know, with with COVID, it also gets guys who, at the end of the bench who may have been cut on a traditional year, it gives them a little bit longer opportunity to kind of make a name for themselves for next year too. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll get, get some run this year, um, which I always like better than you just bringing in a guy off, up, calling him up from the G league for 10 games. And then he disappears again. Cause it's like, that's kind of, un, not, I don't want to say unfair. All these guys are given opportunities to become millionaires, but unfair in the sense that, you know, you're you're thrusting them into a system that they're not familiar with, and if they're not a point guard that can just go out there and launch up shots, and they're kind of dependent on other guys getting them the ball, they're gonna look. I'm just dying. I'm just dying a little bit at the moment because there's four and a half seconds left in this game, and the Wolves just missed like four open layups that that could I have given them. Yeah, you, I don't know if you saw my face when Nas took that three. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i mean it's just he missed he tried to go for a dunk from like six feet away and he only went three feet it was the just is, he had a, gr- a really nifty up and under yeah to, to tie it at 114 with guys draped all over him which was nice but yeah and that but the, dallas is the same thing they had they got bulb on the ball under the paint we had four guys draped all over him yeah. they kicked out to a, a guy who missed a you know drive like 
I mean, these are some good showings here at the end for end of the bench guys coming back to tie this game. They were down by double digits in the fourth quarter here. So a little nice showing to kind of close it out. So I was going to OT with a nice block. Mm, Overtime preseason basketball, what everybody is looking forward to. I don't really like that Dallas announcers anyway. You got to love Derek Harper. They're just, they love, they love towns. They do. (laughs) But it's just like. They're boring. There's no life to them. They're... Yeah. No, they're not great. I mean, it's definitely not Ben's and Jim Peterson. No. Yeah. I mean, you you do realize what you got because they they grow stale for me too. So like, I usually wait when the Wolves are on NBA TV mm-hmm. in a normal year. I'll usually watch whatever other announcers teams are on. Yeah. yeah, just to get a different feel. But you do. There's there are teams where they're just awful and boring. Well, it's just, I mean, it's even hard because it's like, ooh, they're on ESPN tonight. I'm going to listen to the national announcers. And then you get, like, Weber and a play-by-play guy you've never heard of. And it's just like, yeah, they don't yeah. even know what they're talking about. It's just so hard to listen to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and I like the Van, both the Van Gundys, but not as announcers. Like, I, I don't yeah. mind them, like, in interviews and stuff like that. I think yeah. they're funny and all that. But, like... They'll get stuck on stuff that has nothing to do with the game they're watching. <laughs> and then they just talk about it for 25 minutes. They're like... Okay, got yeah. it. No, I mean, Stan had good points. Like, I respected his knowledge, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he just wasn't as polished. And then Jeff, he's just been out of it for so long that he just seems hardly relevant anymore. And yeah. he's just dragged down by being paired with Jackson. Yeah. Breen is yeah. so good, but to have those two with him, it's just a pain to listen to. Yeah, I don't get some of these pairings that they do. Because, like, like, Doris Burke, I really like a lot. Yeah, and they yeah. don't use her enough. I feel like they, you know, they always kind of put her as like a add-on to mm-hmm. a group, you mm-hmm. know, rather than like user, you know, like just put her as one of the main. Yeah, they had to a few times in the bubble because they only had so many people there. Right. But yeah, right. Yeah, there there were stretches on bubbles where there'd be nights I'd watch th- two or three games or whatever, and she would be on for all of them because like they didn't <laughs> want to rotate. People. Yeah, and I was like, this is great because she was probably my favorite one in the bubble. Yeah, of the ones that were calling since. The TNT guys weren't really there and, you know, like Harlan and stuff. So, mm-hmm. Oh, man, did off. you see the uh, the tweet that went out of Har- Kevin Harlan broadcasting from his basement? Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's funny because they were making a big deal about it. But then he did this that same setup in his basement when he was recording for the 2K games. Okay. So he'd record them in the summer. And they were showing – it might have been on the 2K TV. You know how they yeah. play, like, those episodes? It might have been on that. It was, like, maybe two – two years ago because it was when uh he was on and he had like kg was he was interviewing kg as if kg was joining his broadcast mm-hmm. and they were showing um kg recording from his place okay and then harlan recording from his and then like the behind the scenes of them catching up and stuff it was kind of cool but i was like yeah it's like literally he has a, the exact same setup as he did when he yeah. set it up for 2K, which you're like makes sense why can't they because that, that's how they record it for 2k they literally will watch a game and he'll just yeah cough stuff out you know so it's kind of that kind is of very cool. Yeah, it's just so crazy to hear him because it's like you hear him on the broadcast and you're like, I wonder if that's just his normal voice. And then you listen to him like in his basement, and you're like, There's no way that's his normal voice. <laughs> He's definitely using his broadcaster's voice here. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, scheduling update: We are changing to Friday mornings for our release dates. Hopefully, you'll have some Howl history in your uh, in your listening inbox for for your weekends to come. Um, we've been doing traditionally Mondays up until this point, but we figured uh, Fridays will be a good day for us to, to watch some basketball, talk about the Wolves, get out, get something into you um, as quickly as possible. And then we're going to be alternating weeks between historical episodes, looking back at the Timberwolves history 
and uh, just chatting about where the team is is now. So we're going to do kind of alternating then and now. Uh, but that's uh, how history coming up in the future weeks. We'll have a little something for you Christmas morning. It's not going to be significant, not going to be a normal episode because uh, we're also with our families. But at the same time, we hope you appreciate uh, everything that we're putting out there. If you have any comments, if you heard anything tonight that we were wrong on, anything that you want to dispute, uh, I'm at uh, at RubyOops on Twitter, so find me there. Otherwise, you can email us at HowlHistory at gmail.com, and we'll uh, we'll answer questions as we can uh, as they come up. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. This is our fourth episode. We're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, Chad, I'll uh, talk to you soon. All right, man. Take care. All right. Have a good night. Yeah, we'll see you. Bye.